0: Finally, we are here. I am excited. We are going to talk about Lovecraft Country. Thank goodness. Excellent show. I've got, uh, I've got some excellent panelists here with me as well. I got Country Boy from the Cut Podcast. What's up, man?
1: How you doing, man? How y'all doing, man? I'm glad to be here. This is one of my favorites. One of my favorite shows. For sure, for sure. Appreciate that.
0: I also got Queen Shami. Hey, hey Queen. Everybody.
2: Hey, excited to represent the women tonight.
0: For sure. She is an expert on Lovecraft, so we will enjoy her input as well. And then of course, we got the one and only OTR Kwan. What's up, bro?
3: Peace, peace, peace. What's up, everybody? So excited to dive into uh, Lovecraft country, and it's been a minute. So uh, we got some great, great guests on the panel. We're going to have some fun tonight.
0: Yeah, for sure. We're definitely going to have some fun. Hey. Let me be honest. Part of the reason I wanted to do this is because I want to help get those people who are on the fence of watching Lovecraft. I'm trying to get y'all off the fence. You are missing out. This was a wonderful piece here. And to kind of kick things off, I just wanted to talk a little bit about what Lovecraft was about. Lovecraft was about a guy named Atticus. Atticus was a Korean war vet, young black man who uh, returned home to Chicago to search for his long lost father. Well, not long lost father, but his father was missing. So that kind of kicked everything off. Then we went on this wild ride of mystical beings, creatures, uh, racism, intense scenes, black woman magic. I mean, it had it all.
2: All throughout.
0: uh, All throughout, all throughout. So without further ado, I want to jump into this I want to talk about Misha Green, first of all. When I first uh, saw Lovecraft, I saw Jordan Peele's name on it. I thought it was all about him. Little did I know, it was this wonderful Black woman, Misha Green, who was the showrunner for the show, which means that she was the leading producer. Right. That kind of took me by surprise. I mean, I I don't know if y'all knew about Misha Green, but I didn't know too much about Mm her. I know she was also a co-creator of Underground, and she was also a staff writer on the Sons of Anarchy, which was another dope show. But anyway, let's dive into this. Misha Green. Did you guys know about Misha Green? Because I didn't. Uh I
2: didn't. Um, I had watched some of her shows like I watched Underground and I was like, "Okay, this is a very interesting show. Interesting perspective. But I didn't know her as a screenwriter, an artist, a creative. And now I'm just happy to see her as well as many other black women.
1: I think I wasn't aware I pretty much thought this was a Jordan Peele project. Finding out a little later that he's an executive producer, which is like Hollywood talk for the Money Man, like you don't really have any real presence in it. you just kind of get funding or help the show get show the show or the movie get funding, and that the real meat and potatoes was was Misha green this was her dream. this was her project, her idea she' the right. one who did all of the work in reading the book and taking that book and turning it into a show while changing a lot of things and adding ideas ideas to the show. And honestly, she made the parallel that she thought this was similar to Underground. I didn't watch very much of Underground, but it feels to me like this work in her past really didn't show us that she was capable or... I don't think capable is not the word I'm looking for. I I think that it's amazing that HBO would give someone with very little background this much freedom and money Mm -hmm. to do what Mm -hmm. she did. That's Mm -hmm. rare. It's rare in Hollywood. That's it. I'm super excited for, her. I'm excited to see what she can do, you know, outside of, of love crab country. <laughs> what else Yeah, you have?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Right. Cause I, I, didn't see much of underground either, but I, I heard it was, it was excellent.
3: I heard underground it was, was great. great. First yeah. season. Underground. It was really
2: different though. Right. Yeah. So one yeah, different. Is Folklore and fantasy and the other is more rooted in like actual history. Right. Yeah. I was really amazed by just her creativity and her imagination. In all that she does,
0: yeah, yeah, she did wonders with this one. And I wanted to get in a little bit to the background of of Lovecraft Country, not just the show itself, but even outside of the show, the creation of the show. Uh, Many people probably already heard uh, of this guy H.P. Lovecraft, who they think that this story was from. But H.P. Lovecraft was he was an author of of horror in the early 1900s, and he created this this fictional uh, universe called, uh, it, I might be mispronouncing it, but Kualu Mythos. And that universe had a bunch of like mystical beasts or whatever. And a lot of writers pulled from that. He actually wasn't that well known when he was alive. He actually died in poverty. But uh, the reason I'm bringing him up is because he was known to be a racist. <laughs> he was known to be a racist. And so this story has, has picked up. And it's kind of changed course. It takes a little bit of H.P. Lovecraft, but it flips the script a little bit because now we're telling stories from the black perspective.
3: I think also that that goes out to Misha Green. Shout out to her as well, because, you know, she took this story from a guy that was a well-documented racist and she flipped it to show the perspective from the black side. And she took black creators, you know, I mean, black men, black women, especially black women, all did their thing on this show she took it and she transcended that goes to her she gets all the flowers she, everything that you know is received me coming back from the show The praise about it i mean mm-hmm. it goes to her mm-hmm. so that the fact that he was a well-known racist and what he pretty much tried to put out just seems as if like it it kind of overlapped of uh, her creative side and the black side so shout out to her mm-hmm.
0: Well, I'll say this. The big piece about is like all this mythical shit like about HP and that kind of turned a lot of black folks off uh, from even viewing this. When y'all saw that or when you saw the previews or or you knew that it was going to be that sort of aspect to it, did it it kind of turn y'all off from from wanting to watch it in the beginning?
3: For me, it was it was more so,
0: you know, was it the fact that it was different. Did that kind of pull you in?
3: No, it pulled me in because I I like those type of weird mystical you know Dungeons and Dragons like you know you use the spells type you know it turned
0: a lot of black folks up. I know it did.
3: I know I I know it did, and because that's something to where we you know we really don't we don't really hold when it comes to like movies or or sitcoms or you know what I mean? things like that you know so it it showed us it showed a whole different light it showed us in a whole different in a, in a different look.
1: I wasn't I wasn't a big fan of it, and I and I was. I mean, I'm one of those people I was aware of H.P. Lovecraft and I kind of knew his history. So I was aware of, you know, Cthulhu and that a lot of atheists kind of bought into that. That's that's kind of how I, I got um found out about Cthulhu and, and all that because a lot of wraithers, or lot of atheists kind of attached themselves to it because he would use the idea that alien interaction is what propelled humans forward. And then we would use our gods were not actually gods, but they were aliens and stuff like that. So they kind of attached themselves to Cthulhu. He's like a, a God for them, you know, kind of like mm-hmm. a joke, mm-hmm. joke mm-hmm. God mm-hmm. for them. Um, so that's kind of how, especially around Reddit. I mean, cause I'm not, I'm not an atheist by any means, but I've seen it enough that I kind of like, oh, that's what that's about. So when I saw the show and I was like, one, I know this guy's racist. Two, that stuff is weird. That ain't, that ain't for me. (laughs) I'm like, I'm not, I don't really think I'm gonna watch this, but I saw the show and I'm like, okay, it's black, it's blackety black. So Mm. the idea of taking someone who was super racist and creating a show based off of his work and his ideas but using a Black people as the main character is something he would have been totally against. That was interesting to me. It's like, OK, you guys, you're getting ready to take this and flip it a little bit, especially mm. someone who would have hated this if had he been alive. And I think we need to shout out Matt Ruff, who was the guy who wrote the book Lovecraft. Yes, yes. And and what it was shocking to me, this is before I knew about Misha Green. The first person I was impressed with was Matt Ruff. because I was like, who is you to talk about black people's stuff like this? Because I, I, they people like, he's a white dude. I'm like, yeah. oh,
4: yeah,
3: where,
4: where,
1: yeah. Who are you? and And then, wow, Misha Green took it and, and took his story and ramped it up to a 10. And a lot of things are different and changed. I, I think, you know, the source material that she built the story on is still like, wow, you, you had a lot, you know, a lot playing, a lot going on. I will say this: as soon as I saw the first episode, I was hooked. Like, you know, yeah, I was skeptical going in. <laughs> you know, but no, the team. first <laughs> episode, opening scene. Um, I mean, outside of when they started, it was fighting the the Cthulhu monsters, and Jackie Robinson showed up. But when he was right. on, the book, I was like, oh
2: yeah, yeah, right. The I'm the same way. I um, I wasn't. I was a little skeptical at first. I was like, okay, what is this show about? Because I usually like to read my horror novels, right? And I love mm-hmm. like black female authors like Octavia Butler, Tana Nair of Dew, like those are a lot of black authors that kind of aren't brought to the forefront. So when I saw mm-hmm. this show, I was like, damn, let me, let me watch it. And after the first episode, I was like, what's scarier? The witches, the goblins, you know, the monsters, or is it the races, the Jim Perkins?
4: Mm-hmm. And
2: that's what kind of threw me off. I was like, damn. I don't know what I'm scared of more, like Sundown Towns or monsters for yeah. the
1: yeah.
0: night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm with you on that. That was that was part of what intrigued me about this piece. Right, is that? I mean, if you're talking to to somebody who watches horror all the time, they're going to be like, it's it's not a horror flick. But in a sense, that terror, that like you mentioned, Sundown Town, that <laughs> episode. Uh, sundown was was intense in itself where it's like hey you're chanting for them to get the hell out of town they, <laughs> right. they get the hell out of town and then boom they run it there's a roadblock that they run into they set they set them up yeah so it's just like damn and I really appreciated it was different it was different it it, it it's a different side of horror and and I appreciate it to, to it's, full it's definitely black horror <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I yeah. mean you yeah. watch that and be like Oh, yeah, this is bad. Oh, this is bad, right? I was
3: talking to
2: the screen, I was screaming, like, please speed up in that
3: episode. Yeah, you know what I'm saying, and that's what I'm saying. And Queen, look, it it makes me kind of go back to even what you were saying. It puts you in the middle. So, what are you more frightened of, the mythical Mm -hmm. creatures or? The fact of racism and right. i was watching it and sh- i was watching the show and i'm like it's a part where he's like running through the street and it's like he's getting guns pulled on him by police and at the same time he has like the monster like just jumping around everywhere you know and it's like how are you which one are you are you are you more frightened about so yeah mm-hmm. where do you go what do you do it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a captivating show and
4: right. even when
3: it came to the particular sundown episode, I was very appreciative of that because it showed what they was risking,
4: mm-hmm. you know, what
3: they risked, what they put their, what, how they put their lives on the line to put all this information in a particular book for other people, Black people to know where to go and, and which route to yeah. take, you know, so it was like they had the vision, they had the foresight for something to. they knew that this was going to be able to carry on for generations, you know, for, for our people to pretty much be safe and, and, and which way to go.
4: Right. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. And, and, and building and building on to, to what you're saying, Quan, another aspect that I, I appreciate is that there were there were things in here that made you they were historically accurate. And if you weren't aware of what certain things were, it had you going to Google, it had you going doing research right. and it had you looking stuff up to kind of piece the things together. Like not every I mean, I knew what a sundown what he meant by sundown town, but a lot of people didn't.
4: Yeah, A lot of
0: people didn't. And the other historical references that you might not have caught, Uncle George was the author of the, of the Black Travel Guide, also known yeah. you know, in real life as, as the Green Book. Yeah. Um, yeah. Other historical references, the massacre in Tulsa, you had the reenactment of, uh, of the Emmett Till death, the day of his funeral. I appreciated a lot of those things. I knew of Tulsa Massacre, but this had me going back and doing some more research. I, was it the same way for y'all?
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. I I almost had to watch a lot of the episodes twice just to kind of right. make sure I caught everything that was in there. And mm-hmm. a lot of it was like so subtle. It wasn't blatant. And I think what's hella cool about it is that she's speaking to like the next generation, right? Everybody isn't gonna be interested in like just reading a book about history and the right. how grotesque and gruesome shit was. But like now kids, young people can look at this and be like, damn okay, who was that baseball player? Who is Jackie Robinson?
4: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Total
2: Massacre, what was that really about? And I definitely, I knew most of the history, but there were some pieces that I kind of picked out and learned.
1: One mm -hmm. of the things about about the show, and and Watchmen did this also, is Mm -hmm. that you having these historical references have real world implications. So when the Watchmen did the Tulsa Massacre episode, it brought a lot, it brought Tulsa Massacre to the forefront for a lot of people who didn't even know that this happened. We're coming up on the right. hundred year anniversary, and and Tulsa as a and Oklahoma did a great job of minimizing the Tulsa Massacre to the point that a lot of people who lived in the area had no idea that it even happened. So right. shows put yeah. stuff to the forefront. It's like, yes, this is an actual actual thing that actually happened and you can look this up and, and read about it you know and that right. i think is even past the entertainment of the show i think is the the lasting legacy going forward for people that they can look at these things and you can see you can look at immaterial you can look at the tulsa massacre you can look at sundown towns or the or the, the, the negro guy the green book all these things and like oh wow i had no idea that was a real thing mm-hmm. or a, real, a real occurrence
2: right
3: yeah yeah yeah, I, I mean, I agree. I mean, everything when you when you look back and you do the research on it and you begin to pull pull all that you know pull those layers back, man. It really makes you think. It really puts you in a mindset. I know for well, you, try to put yourself in the mindset of going back then.
4: Right. right? Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. I know this may sound yeah. a little weird. I know this may sound a little bit like off topic in a sense, but that's <laughs> what we're oh, speak so, it. speak speaking truth, brother. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of goes into a little bit more so of the episode. It kind of puts me back and it kind of makes me feel like I, I try to sometimes put myself in that setting. Right. And right. how would I feel? What would I be thinking? And I can't even fathom it. Right. But, uh, you know, like, to. just to know the fact, the mere fact of like learning something like Tulsa, right? And knowing that that night was their prom. Right. You know, right. something to where those people, you know, black folks, they never got a chance to experience that. Right. And when yeah. they did experience that particular night, it was horrific.
4: You right.
2: know, exactly. Yeah, that's the most exciting day of your life as a young teen. you getting ready for prom, and then bam, bam, a massacre held, happens.
1: One thing, no one thing I do appreciate about once again, Watchmen did the same thing, but mm. that they didn't show black people as complete victims. Yeah, within the Tulsa massacre. One of the things that happened is they were going through a bit of a um, a new Negro movement, which was like a changing in thinking and ideology with black people. So before they were, you know, like oh, better keep my head down, better watch out. And after World War One, a lot of black people who came back from war felt like they. I deserve to be a, a full citizen. I fought and fought for this country. I Some people right, for so. my right. people do not for this country. I deserve to be a full citizen. So when Tulsa broke, when when did things happen? Wow. We fought back. Black people attempted to fight back. Now, granted, the numbers were were very much mismatched and it was not a battle that we could that we could win. <laughs> that's yeah, not yeah. stopping from attempting to fight back. And we had small contingencies of guys who had military service, who who who, who tried to save this town or try uh, or or try to rescue people. And that's what I appreciate about the show is it doesn't show black people as complete as complete victims it, it gives you it gave you a, a total picture of what happened during the massacre and we weren't always victims that's one of the problems i hate with media these days this is why i burnt on slavery movies like i don't want to see no more movies where we are slaves where we victims mm-hmm. You're not giving me Django. I don't, <laughs> don't want to see it. I want to yeah. see, see like is even that a dog... nigga on a horse? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm
4: sorry. I'm I'm if Definitely. it
3: ain't something black and liberating, and if it yeah. ain't something to really, really like showing our, like our culture, and it, I don't, I don't want to see it, man. I, so, I, well,
1: I, I don't mind. I, Bad odds. I just don't want to see us where we just like completely give up on everything. Exactly. Oh man, white people coming. Let's. I right, we just gonna give up? Like fight mm-hmm. for you know even if you lose, attempt right. fight for what's right. You know, and 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 you saw that in, in the Tulsa Mask episode. They got burned mm-hmm. in the house of five, but they went out. Went out Fighting yeah,
2: they went uh, out
1: to the very very end, and I and appreciate that.
2: I think it's important in that same vein to mention all the black amazing women who were fighting all throughout ah, the season.
4: Yes. I think yep. it was
2: crazy because I think as Black women we're kind of groomed to be self sacrificial, right? And that mm-hmm. happened all throughout the episode, but then all the women were still hella badass. I mean, even mm-hmm. for the youngest one, Diana, mm-hmm. speaking up for herself, being mad at her mom, Hippolyta, Hippolyta and holding mm-hmm. her up to the fire and saying, yo, you left me. Like you have to defend myself mm-hmm. even Letty when she went to talk to Christina and she was gonna sacrifice her something for tick so that tick could be kind of immortal, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it's just so many of the characters Hippolyta, like her going on that interdimensional journey like that yeah, wasn't I'm sure. I'm sure that wasn't easy and she was gone for several years, right She said that
4: mm-hmm.
2: but it's like being away from your child but it's for something greater. And I think I just felt proud as a woman, just kind of seeing women on the forefront. Even though Tick was like the main character, he would have gotten mm. nowhere without all the women yeah. in his well, life.
3: Yeah, Queen Sean, that that that's well said yeah. because that was what was needed to be actually
1: presented and actually
4: put yeah. in the forefront. You know I what I mean? I mean?
1: I would be cool. remiss as a comic book fan if I didn't mention that Hippolyta and Diana are the names of Wonder Woman and her mom in, in the comic books. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All, right. <laughs> All
3: right. Yeah, they, they
1: did a wonderful job yeah. uh,
0: portraying uh, black women in this piece. And it wasn't. All just so black woman power the whole time though there there was a progression of characters not not just in the women characters in all of the characters really so especially I mean we you brought up the the Hippolyta episode which had so much dope imagery in it and you remember in the beginning Hippolyta always kind of feeling so kind of like I guess trapped within herself like she wanted yeah. so much more
4: mm-hmm. and
0: but she was still willing she was still willing to sacrifice that to be a good wife to Uncle George. And then for her to have that episode, like I said, with all that dope imagery. There was so many things in this series where it's like, you, you're watching it, you think you got a hold of it, and then boom, something pops out of left field. Like all of a sudden she's floating in space. She's right? in a space too. She's talking to a woman in an afro. You're like, what the hell just
3: Josephine happened? Baker you know,
2: right there, what? Josephine <laughs> yeah. ba- She goes
0: back and dances with Josephine Baker. Like it was, Yeah,
3: yeah. man. You know, the, the, the thing I, about it, right, it, It's it's, and even with the beginning of that scene, because even if you notice, when they kind of got into the tussle and they bumped into, the, I think it was called the Equinox, or
4: mm-hmm.
3: it showed three different sets. I don't know if you guys saw the numbers, but there were three different numbers, and I guess it was showing that it was three different dimensions, or different, three, three different planets that she was about to embark on.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And
3: so the first one, when you know she was kind of like going nuts a little bit, going crazy, and she was trying to like break out, and when you know the black goddess being came out in the form of like an alien and she was trying to attack her and only thing that the lady was trying to present to her with the shower is like yo you could be anything that you want you just name it you just call it it's all in what you want and you know she's like what the the hell are you talking about and she's like Mm -hmm. who you want to become name and she's just like i want to be dancing on the stage with josephine baker boom
1: yeah yeah. and, and the interesting thing about this about this episode is, it makes it seem as if it was a prison. She, she like you make it seem as if a prison, but in actuality, she was attempting to set Hippolyta free.
4: Mm-hmm. You know what
1: I'm saying? Because she was like, "This is this is your own prison. It's the prison that you represented for yourself. It's the prison that you had within within your life, also within the episode." One of the things that amazed me was the mathematical aspect of her repairing the machine so she could even do these mm. things. Yeah. So she yeah. Computations to make that mm-hmm. work. And it, and it reminded me a lot of Catherine Johnson. You remember the Hidden Figures mm-hmm.
4: the movie? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Book. Like, this is mm-hmm. what I, I felt like. I was like, Hippolyta was a person who was probably constantly underestimated, counted mm-hmm. out. No one even knew that she had this ability within her to make these complex computations. There probably no one else. Like Without her, the show wouldn't even work. They wouldn't even be able to even go back to go get the book of names because she's probably right. the
2: only person who could have figured out how to make the thing work. <laughs>
4: and it was
2: brilliant because that yeah. episode, I think the title is I Am. And I mm-hmm. think Black women deal with that Constantly, it's like to be ourselves, to name ourselves instead of mm-hmm. taking on all these stereotypical names that people come up with for us by mm-hmm. naming ourselves, calling us ourselves queen, black yeah. girl magic, beautiful. Right. That is an act of rebellion. And oh, all yeah. throughout the whole season, black women were rebellious as hell. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
0: yeah, it's- Speaking speaking of one of those characters I, I wanted to talk about was uh, uh Letitia fucking Green Letty yeah. okay Letty. Letty that was Atticus the main character that was his lady and you know what I say Atticus is the is the main character but there was a scene where uh Letty Letty had to check Atticus was like yo you act like this shit is only happening to you. <laughs> like, it's happening to everybody else too. Like right. you know, Tick was trying to take on everything by himself, but yet everybody was being affected. So I thought Letty from the jump, like I fucked with her character hard. Like <laughs> she was no nonsense, and I'm glad she like came out to be the woman that she was. Like when when her and Tick got together, she let him know, like yo, that that was my first time. Like the way she came off in the beginning, like they tried to make it seem like she, you know, she was just this, you know, carefree yeah. living girl, wild life. Yeah. But she actually, you know, she was actually doing shit with a purpose. And, um, of course, I think the, the scene of the year, really, when they were in that cafe, she, she come running out. Hey, everybody, we got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. I, I, think, I mean, her character, it, it was dynamic. It was strong. It was a great representation. Another great representation of black women. What y'all think of, of Letty?
3: Man, I, you know, particularly that, that scene for me, particularly when they were in the cafe, she took over. From the get, because she went in the back and she went to go, you know, use the bathroom. But she was on point because she saw through the crack what you know what the dude was doing, and he was on the phone and he was making the call. So as mm. soon you know, as she saw that, she took it on her own hands pretty much and was like, "Look, it's time for us to get that out of here and go." Think about it. Even with that particular scene, you know, women, were they, I, you know, back in that day, I don't, I don't know, in a sense, where they driving like that. You know, no. It, it, so that's what I'm saying. Like, so she took the keys, you know, and then Uncle George, you know, his wobbling ass. I love hey, I love Uncle George. Uncle George was my man, but he was, you know, he tried to come out, and he'd be like, I'll I'll drive, and she was like, get your ass in the car. <laughs> One of
1: the things that I love about Letty is that you could argue that Letty was the star of the show, that she was the mm. protagonist. Protagonist in this show. If you look Mm. at this, Tick is put forward as if he is the protagonist, but but in actuality, all of the power is being wielded by Letty. At the end of the show, the person with who ends up with the power of all the magic is Letty. You know what Mm. what I'm saying? So going forward, I don't know, and I don't know what they're going to do going forward with what's what's going on with Tick or whatever, but I feel like Letty showed herself to be the star, the star of this, of the show to me in my eyes. And she was my, she was by far my favorite character because she was, was willing to do whatever it took. She was ride or die from almost from day mm-hmm. one even before she found out, you know, they were pregnant or whatever. She was willing to do whatever for Tick because I just she liked. Was. Like you, I like tick, and that is indicative of of black women. I mean, I don't know all you guys' relationship status, but I know that if you know if you're married, you you pretty much know that your your wifey gonna will do whatever it takes on any given day. You know what what I'm saying? Like she she you know she may not go back to 1921 and go get the book of names, but Uh (laughs) she got to go to school and lay into this teacher. Reminded me. It reminded me of you know of my
4: wife.
2: (laughs) And it just goes back to what I was saying before. Black women, we are groomed to be self-sacrificial in all that we do, even as empowered as we are, right? I I love Letty. I I think you're spot on, your comment about just her being, like, the key, the protagonist in the whole thing. At the end, her wielding all that magic. Who had the book of names? Letty. Who's the one who had to calm down and talk to what, like, Nana Hattie and... um? I think her mm-hmm. name was Dora, George's wife, and Montrose's wife, right. and, and she's the one who yeah. talked to them, and she's the one who who kind of was able to decipher and put her emotions to the side and get shit done, right. and that's what black mm-hmm. women do, right?
3: Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The, the, yeah, the she... amazing piece of, of what, what she did, what she pretty much had to bear mm-hmm. I mean, alone was just—I mean, it was it, it, it was very sacrificial within itself. I mean, it's having to see. Having to go back in the past and to, like to see his family, like burn through that, you know, like uh, that house, you know, just that to go the game.
2: Having you know, your man's ex come back and have to help save him when Gia came back?
4: Listen, you talking about Leah? You talking about That was <laughs> weird. That's That's weird. How yeah. that was
2: sacrificial. <laughs> How many times do you really have to deal with y'all exes? Get it together.
0: Le, Leah Lea had that ill. Nana, sorry, I, I couldn't.
2: resist. like You really got this woman talking to the ex, entertaining her, giving her something to drink, girl. she in the car singing <laughs> together. <laughs> they in
3: the car hey. singing
4: together. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs>
1: All okay. of them, one, one, one happy was, like, wow, okay. <laughs> to, to, to Lee High, she was her own sister.
4: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. I was just going to mention one of the funny things about this show. One of the things that was striking me, at least from a historical standpoint, and kind of going back, first scene in the show was when he was on a bus coming from, going from uh, Florida to Kentucky, um, mm-hmm. he Chicago. He was in Kentucky. So from a historical standpoint in 1946 buses were um being they had to be integrated by the supreme court right but we know that this show was after at least after 53 because that's when the korean war was so we knew this was in the mid-50s right. so we know that these buses should be integrated but he definitely sitting in the back of the bus and we oh. saw the sign it said that it, you had to sit in the back of the bus for college yeah that is the south in the south the south did not care anything about that they still mm. had their buses segregated you know what, mm. what i'm saying if he had taken a bus from, let's say, from Chicago to Boston, he would have better sit anywhere on that bus that he wanted to. But he took mm-hmm. a bus from to Chicago, and of course, the bus was segregated. When I learned that, I was like, "Yo, this show is so so much care and yeah. time and effort that they yeah. took to make sure the stuff was historically accurate." You know what I'm saying? Or even at least close to it. It is just like I love that. I love that you tried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: I, I, I would argue that uh there, there are still some places that are segregated just minus yeah, the, okay. the colored only signs. <laughs>
1: they don't need those anymore, but it's still segregated yeah, some places. That, that Sundown Town stuff, there is several towns in texas still to this day that i would advise you to not to stop through matter of fact it's funny that the sundown town thing came up in the show because right before that they were doing something i can't remember the name of this town in texas but it's a town in texas near close to louisiana and you have to ride through it and they were like if you're black you don't stop not even for gas through this place you ride mm. right yeah. it's like it's like that and it's historically if you look in there, wikipedia page it was like this used to be a sundown town and <laughs> it's still kind of questionable to this day and it's, it's like we're used to that we're used to not being able to go places and like it's still like in north carolina i've rode around and been like yo i can't stop there let me see if a black person walks out and they're like nah all right keep going i'm gonna go i'm gonna, I'm gonna start at the top of the sheets
3: <laughs>
4: yeah, yeah, yeah. hey right. can, hey <laughs>
3: Hey, a country, I, I could get to that because I've, I've been to some places, man, where it's like, yeah, you cannot stop. You got to
4: like, <laughs> like
3: 13 more miles down the road or like yeah. 20, what you what you going to do. I, I'll, I'll wait. It's that bad yeah. to this day, to this day. Plantations to Friends this day. art
2: hard piece is um, Ferguson, Missouri, right, where my mm. brother was k- murdered. Mm-hmm. Used to be a sundown town like back in the day until an airport was built there. And then they had to kind of reintegrate the area. So yeah, some downtown aren't that we're not that far from that history. It's it's arm's no. reach. Like we can really yeah. reach back and get that shit. Like it's even
1: even the green book he talked, you guys talked about which mm-hmm. I mean, it's a movie because the movie was so loosely based on actual green books. <laughs> <laughs> But it's actually a movie. If you ever go watch it, you know, Green Books, it's it's an all right movie. Anyway, yeah, it was okay. I mean, I like I like my man, uh Ali. I like him, so I watched it, but it was not about Green Books. Um, but (laughs) Green Books were being published all the way up until 1960. That means that most of us are simply one generation, two generations away. From experiencing all. that trauma, the the yeah. Civil Rights Act of 1965—that's that one generation for us. We're mm-hmm. not that far removed from the foolishness. That's why when people tell us they're like, "Hey, you need to get over it. Get over
2: what?" Right. My, my
1: dad remembers segregation. <laughs> my
2: mom, that's my dad's era, right?
1: <laughs> right. That's what I'm yes, saying. That's, no, just, that's, that's, just two,
3: that's just two generations. That's just two. Yeah. Your, your grandmother and your great-grandmother. Your grandmother, your grandfather your great-grandfather.
4: Right. No.
3: <laughs> and then your great great Not even my parents. <laughs> <laughs> you know
1: <what> <laughs> yeah, like, <Really>. Depending <laughs> on the age of your parents, your parents yeah. did. Was, my dad was born in 52, so he was like right there in it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: My mom yeah, my was born dad. in Texas,
1: 1961. Ooh. So
0: my dad was born in alabama 1947.
2: Mm. Wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, else? Give another
0: <laughs> I have never been in alabama a day in my life but
1: wow, that, i know it's actually, actually gone to alabama we have some acres like 500 acres outside of montgomery and we yeah. went there to visit my people honestly if a zombie apocalypse were to pop off this is where i'm going i'm going to alabama mm. but I remember the first day we showed up there and it had this odd place it was a it was a movie theater with just two two movies like it just had one place and it just showed two movies that's how small this town was and we showed up to the hotel and I remember the people looking at us like they would never seen a nigga before like uh, what are you doing here it's 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 the oddest feeling because the South is full of black people if you look at me like I'm in the wrong
4: (laughs) Yeah, what is
2: wrong yeah. with you? Yeah. I, you know, I used to live in Charlottesville, right? Charlottesville, Virginia. And a lot of my old co-workers, I used to have to tell them, bruh, you are free. It's okay. You can talk. <laughs> I really would have to remind them that they were free. Like,
0: y'all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Masters say we gotta be back at a certain time. Yeah. We gotta turn. <laughs> now I, I was gonna say, speaking of uh uh being in our places, um uh, or or being in places <laughs> and looking at them like, what you doing here? That reminds me of, and I wanted to talk about her, was uh was Ruby, uh mm-hmm. Letty's sister. And the dynamic that they had and and just Ruby's Ruby's role in the movie. Like it was uh it was quite interesting. Like she wanted to work at this department store so bad, which was in North South Chicago. Right. Um, shout out to Chicago, one of my favorite cities and she wanted she wanted to be white and her wish was granted like how did y'all make that feel? because one it was like it it was kind of weird but at the and it was kind of like the scenes where like she, her, her skin was shedding and shit. And it was kind of a little grotesque too like how how did that whole thing make y'all feel like her wanting to be white and just
1: <laughs> i'll be honest with you and and man this is a story i probably ain't even told i ain't really told nobody but when i was a kid I wanted to be white because I felt like they had they were doing things that I wasn't able. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know what it was like on the other side. Like I knew what it was like to be black, but it's like y'all having more fun. Oh, oh my God. God. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, like that triggered a story <laughs> in my head. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs> we're doing stuff over there that we just not doing over here. And it was just odd to me. I was like, yo, why? You know, I just want to know what it's like. It's one of those. So. Like when she was able to do that, I was like, yo, I'm not mad at her for this dream because I want to see. I just want to see what it's like on that on that side. Like, you know, because being a black person, I know what it's like to do, you know, to live this life. But you're never going to open up to me enough to accept me to be your true true selves. And that's what Ruby got to do. She got to see people in there. Act white folks in that actual atmosphere, being themselves. She, she was one of them for a time. Mm. Like, wow, this is how y'all act, or like, oh wow, this this sucks. Like this shit ain't yeah. what I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. You know, so, I'm jealous. Well, you you you
0: would have drank you would have drank the potion then. You you would have drank the potion that, no, if somebody gave it to you.
1: I don't trust. I don't trust. I didn't trust that white dude. I don't trust. You say this about Trust him as much as you trust that vaccine that's about to come out. Some <laughs> white dude was like, "Hey, drink this. All your wildest dreams are gonna come true. It's 100% a hundred percent chance." I'll pass. I'll pass. <laughs> I'm not. Like, I'm not drinking that. I'm not drinking that. But I'm
3: not taking that shit.
1: Went, uh, count me out. got to live out this dream that i'm sure a lot of black folks have like yo right i got to do this like she got i got to be a white for a day and i found out that it, it wasn't as sweet as i thought it was going to be but at least you got to live out that dream now i will say this i foresaw that christina was also that white guy like halfway through this episode i'm like okay i don't, you don't know I, they like they like i was going totally to
0: that
3: mic- one
1: yeah, you know, <laughs> I was slowed like, down. Like, you yeah, and Michael in yeah, the same, I, you know, the same yeah, place. I I, like, yeah, they kind of look alike in the face. I was like, it mean, kind yeah. of looked alike, yeah. like. Yeah, right. Somebody right. And then, and then she ended up getting turned out because I
4: was like,
2: <laughs> so, I'll be <laughs> honest. Like, if you were honest, that disappointed me. Ruby disappointed mm. me. Even though she came through at the end, baby girl let me down throughout the whole season. And you think, I, you, I just
1: you like she was as a villain. Like, you don't feel like they were setting her up to be like I expect I was expecting her to be a bad, uh, a bad the bad guy.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. Even from the first scene when she was on stage and the way she was talking to Letty, she was like, mm. No holds, all holds bar, right? Not really for her, but yeah. Ruby let me down. It was just like even the way she, the sex scene, that like it kind of makes me want to throw up in my mouth a little bit.
0: <sighs> let me ask you, was it was it the was it the skin falling off, or was it the fact that she was having sex with a white guy? That...
2: <laughs> it was a
0: little bit of both. <laughs> it
2: was a little bit of both. I was like. Oh. I was like, really? This it was is bad timing. Moment yeah. of sadness and frustration. This is what you're gonna yeah. do, girl. Yeah,
1: I, <laughs> was, I was disappointed. That was probably my most disappointed. I was in this series when she had sex with that white dude. Not because she yeah. was having sex with a white guy, but she spent the whole time telling her, telling that dude, "You're not gonna get it. I don't trust you." And he
2: still got the draws. I'm like, how? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you knew that Was gonna happen. To do it right. as a white woman. It just kind of threw me. It was just a lot yeah. for me. Yeah, mm. and I just what feel like you? her character was um kind of one dimensional. I hate to say oh. it. I, I, I agree. Kind of one dimensional, and she let me down multiple times. Even when she set up a girl who was working in the store and said, "Oh, why? Yeah, why don't you take us to the south side?" Right? I'm mm-hmm. like, you're putting mm-hmm. her in such a compromising position, and
3: mm-hmm. that didn't work I, out too like, well because. The- yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I was. I agree. I, I was. Now the actress, the way she played that role was a, was really great. And she she put. You could tell she put a passion into
2: it. Right.
3: A one. Yeah, I was just disappointed in how it how it all turned out. And honestly, the particular scene for me was when they were discussing how they what they was going to do to help Diana, and the way she walked out with Christina. The way she walked out with her, it was like in her mind she was already gone and she, she yeah. it, it kind of looked as if like she, she knew the plan and she had everything under control. Yeah. And it was like, yo, know, you're just getting played as a pawn on the chessboard. And it's like, mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. one of the most disappointed, another disappointing point is that Letty ever have to ask Ruby for help after that point. Like I, in my mind, if this was a real a relationship, the moment that she left and turned her back on diana i'm like yo i'm not messing with you after this because you're right. not you're not one of us you're not fam like that yeah. you know yeah. I mean, you, you're gonna let her, her, her go like this one of the things you you reminded me of, of, of something that i thought that i thought in that episode when they took them to the south side of chicago is that 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 is so once again very historically accurate because during the Harlem renaissance white people would come to Harlem to go party and to hang out in the, in the juke joints or like the uh, speakeasies to see the exoticness of Black life without actually having to deal with Black people. And that's exactly what this yeah. person was. I did not have to deal with you. You're not my friend. You're just my ticket to the South Side is to dance with Black people or to see Black people in their element. And then I'm going back to my house at mm-hmm. At the end of the day and once again it's another time where the person where you know the showrunners and the people who wrote this show took care and to historical accuracy in the things that would happen on a regular basis i was like i i can't speak enough highly enough of it the things
4: that yeah. happen
0: yeah it's a, it's a long long uh history of of culture vulturing yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh uh you know uh, love, loving our culture but 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 not loving us i thought another way that they picked at this and shami you you mentioned this the other day when we talked was the mending of, of black bodies <laughs> i thought that was kind of a, a way of portraying Ooh. uh you know just just that culture vulture aspect i mean yeah. when the uh when the cop pulls off his shirt and you just see like he's he's got he's got black body parts on him
4: <laughs> it's just, just
2: yeah. like <laughs> Um, the comment right the comment he's his like deputy made and he was like we can't kill another nigga
4: and i'm yeah. like no
2: oh, yeah. we are literally you know Haunts. you can call it conspiracy theory whatever but we are literally hunted on so many mm-hmm. like we, <laughs> it, mm-hmm. it was just bizarre i don't know how many black hey. boys and girls go missing how many people mm-hmm. Organs go missing. Yeah. I go down a rabbit hole with this, but it's just like it happened. It has happened. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that was a real troubling scene. And I hope that they kind of elaborate on that a little bit more um during the next season. But
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, I was hoping I would get more answers on exactly what was going on with his body. Yeah. Over a little bit, they, just, they hinted on it just a little bit, but they didn't actually like say, "Oh yeah, he's stealing body parts from people." You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and, and by the time you actually get a little bit of answers, he was he was on his way out. But even like how he treated Diana, like he he just treated her like she was just a or just a pawn for him to move on his chessboard. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. Boom, you curse and I'm still not gonna get the answers that I need. But whatever, I don't care what happens to you. You already right. did. I'm like, what? Wow. Yeah.
0: That was one of the more creepier parts of, of the series for me when they put the curse on Diana. Because then they had, which speaks more into the some of the imagery in, in the scenes that they had in this, which were pretty intense. They had like the demonic Picany yeah, motherfuckers. Whatever whatever you I don't know what to call them. Oh, gosh! But that was some creepy ass shit. I see some <laughs> creepy shit in my that was some creepy shit. Like I wasn't scared,
2: but
3: I was like. No, I was That's scared. Good. I was, oh, was scared, and
2: I'm still scared,
3: okay? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's something <laughs> to a way, like, you don't forget. And I'm, I look, I mean, I'm grown, I'm, you know. And I saw it, and I remember I was watching it, man. It was, like, 11 o'clock at night. And for <laughs> some particular reason, I had everything out, the lights out and everything, and I'm just, like, watching it. And I'm just, you know, I'm not even expecting that particular part. Yeah. Yeah. And I saw that, and, you know, they hit the little head bob with the little, with that, oh, and I was man. like, yeah. Oh, let me tell oh. you
1: something. Oh. The actress is... <laughs> played, um, they, played the Popsy, Popsy yep. uh, they played the shit out that Popsy and Bopsy they played the shit they did an amazing they wouldn't just like you know a normal like you fight Jason, Jason just runs at you that's right. not where they played it they would dance um, <laughs> and it was man it was so unselling and matter of fact it was probably my favorite horror character I've seen in a long time I was like really? you could have just done a movie Oh, on just them. Just them. Yeah. The, Absolutely.
2: Yeah. You know. yeah. Because I think that's everyone's fear, right? At least right. black people's fear, being mm-hmm. chased and you can't really get away from something. They're mm-hmm. coming at mm-hmm. you slow, like you said, happy as hell dancing and I can't do anything about it. No, yeah. And once
1: again, shit. just another one of those episodes, one of those times where it Made you do research on the particular character because they alluded to Uncle Tom's Cabin, and I'm I i do not mm-hmm. know about no Uncle Tom's Cabin. I'm yeah, like, mm-hmm. what is the origins of of this particular character? And of course, I I'm not gonna go into what Uncle Tom's Cabin is about, but in a particular mm-hmm. minor character in the show in the book called Topsy, who is a you know um slave girl who just has rag tags and she's mischievous, and she actually was like the origins of the whole pickaninny. Uh, um, idea. So they basically mm-hmm. took this this one character and turned her into two characters and <laughs> stitched mm. her after <laughs> Diana. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even before I went and researched Uncle Tom's cabin, when I was looking back at the character, I was like, yo, she is wearing a sack as a dress. You like, <laughs> can see the writing on the side of it. It was so intricate. Whoever did the costume design on the character did an amazing job. Yeah. It's amazing. Like, other, other than Chuck yeah. Taylor, other than Chuck Taylor, <laughs> <laughs> other, than the, yeah, other <laughs> than the Chucks, I was like, "Wow, that's terrifying." Uh, <laughs> uh, look, I I just
0: knew. Yeah, I mean, if it wasn't a quarantine, I just knew like Halloween, you was gonna see a bunch of them. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I was a black woman, that probably would have been my Misha Halloween costume, Green. either that or or, or Hippolyta. <laughs> I would have been one yeah. of the two.
1: I think I think Misha Green called it a cross between Uncle Tom's Cabin and Freddy Krueger. Is what they were. Yeah. Would yeah. Be. Okay. Maybe. That was that was that was <laughs> that's, that's an accurate <laughs> description. <laughs> that's it, accurate. it was about that damn creepy. Yeah. yeah it was about that creepy.
2: Yeah. Uh, that that scene that episode scared the living shit out of me. I. Was, <laughs> and no. I, saw people, I usually catch episodes the day after, and I saw people tweeting about it saying oh my gosh this is scary so i made a point to watch it during the day
3: right <laughs> mm, hey, uh, I, I had to literally stop that shit in the middle and was like yo
1: yeah. <laughs> especially the time yeah, when the she was on her project the next morning we falling watch. up behind her in the dark dancing what? oh, in yeah, oh, she was oh in alley. yeah oh my god that yeah that's what did it for me this yeah, and when you learn do. that she is turning into one of them things you're like uh, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> nightmare fuel. this is nightmare fuel. I, I would also say the ghost the ghost episode was was also. oh great. yeah yeah when she bought the house when she mm-hmm. bought the house which, mm-hmm. which you know which is another um incident that was you know pretty accurate because at the time you know white folks would have like covenants and just basic ways to restrict people from selling property to people that they didn't want them to have it so the only Mm -hmm. way that he would have ever been able to get herself into that neighborhood is to find someone a white person who would sell like christina who would sell the house to him and like i don't care Mm -hmm. i don't care what happens you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying once he showed up you saw the, the white folks they were like Yo, oh, Whoa, oh, oh
4: nigga. yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: what are you doing? No, no,
0: it, <laughs> yeah, they were laying on their horns. That, that was another great scene by uh Letitia fucking Green when she came oh, out with the baseball bat yeah.
1: and started going to their cars. Oh man, yeah. yeah, that was that was great, and and also the significance of um Hiram, Hiram Epstein, Hiram. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hiram, who was doing experimentation on black people, and there was mm-hmm. a precedent for that because that, uh, um, like you know, Henrietta Lacks, yep. she, <clears throat> you know, they did they didn't really do experimentation on her, but they took they took her genes and used that. She's probably the most uh use gene for for uh i think what cancer research
4: mm-hmm.
1: uh mm-hmm. anybody mm-hmm. ever helped her family has never been compensated for the use of of her genes in in with for cancer research and i think um I, I did some looking up and it was also what the name of this dude anyway basically i used to call him they call him the godfather of modern gynecology
4: mm-hmm. and
1: mm-hmm. he used to do he he performed surgery on 12 slave women in, yeah. in the name of learning, <laughs> of, of trying. She was, he was attempting to try to help them, but there was no anesthetic. They didn't have, anesthetic they didn't even, it wasn't a thing at the yeah. time. Mm. He was doing his experimentation on them to try to learn more about women. And, he, you know, he, he had statues for this dude. Up until recently, right. up to um 2018, they had statues for this guy. You
2: know? The thing about mm. him is there wasn't like an established... Anesthesiologists, right? Or anesthesia to be used, but they did have like kind of opioids and things like
1: that. I think they said it was like the very early part of anesthetics. They weren't prevalent in any stretch of the imagination. So it really was no, I mean, gonna get you some alcohol, can you some liquor.
2: Right.
3: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, knock it out a little bit, but you know, for the most
1: part, you're gonna have to take this pain, like. James Sims. That's the name of him. That's the name of him. He's, the, he's called the, God, the the father of modern modern gynecology. And, you know, while he is celebrated for what he brought to the medical field, he also used black people as test subjects like they did in the show. So when I was doing some research on that episode, they pointed to him as probably being the closest relation to Harman Epstein in real life. We mm. would probably be him, even though Other than uh, black folks, like you can also see during World War Two, there was a uh, a history of, you know, just doing uh, experimentation on the human body in general. You know, like I think 734, they were just, hey, what happens if we get someone syphilis? What happens if they catch a grenade in their body? What happens to your body when that happens? random stuff so you know we have a history of being mean to each other now just outside of black people and doing experimentation so that episode is kind of really really hit close to home As the guy was just mm-hmm. like hey, what happens if i do this to, to black folks what happens to them i don't care yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: another episode with with more intense scenes you know with the the big old basketball player with the baby head sewn on top it, it, yo Yeah. I,
4: yeah.
0: Black, black folks we've been through a lot
1: yeah. yeah, and it still happened. Here. a lot of that stuff. It really showed like, hey, mm-hmm. this needs happened, happened. This happened, even though it's a fantasy show. It was steeped in a lot of things that really happened to Black folks.
2: Absolutely, and I hey. don't know what she did do, what our girl Misha Green did do, mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. always bring it back home for us and mm-hmm. find a way to make us triumphant. And like you said, mm-hmm. Mike, nobody was the victim in this. Even at the end of that episode. Letty was like, y'all, we outnumber him. And yeah. all of those ghosts banded together into control. Mm-hmm. And ju- it just goes to show you that, listen, there's power in numbers. We have power. Once we realize how powerful we are, things will happen. Mm-hmm. And we are right. not going to play victim. I think the victim is dead. So we're good.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're good. Yeah. We're good. I will say the whole thing with with Emmett I think, was to probably... Other than the actual show was the thing that I took the most appreciation in what they did with this show and bringing to light what happened to Emmett Till because I feel like he doesn't get his due to what, you know, what actually happened to him. And even the show doesn't really go into the actual factuals of <clears throat> what happened to Emmett Till or to lynchings as a whole. I mean, for black people, mm-hmm. for they use lynching as a terror method. It wasn't just a way to get rid of you. It was a way to scare every black person from doing anything that would challenge the racial hierarchy. So the stuff that happened in Mateo wrapping, the, wrapping the bar wire around his throat and dumping them and, you know, beating them and dumping them all of that was to send a message to anyone else who ever thought at whistling at a white girl, nah, that's not going to happen. So when you tell me you can't, uh, I can't speak to a white woman. How can I ever challenge the racial hierarchy in this in this world. You know what I'm saying? So like this show, yeah. man, once again, the show in its historical significance. Like even small things like that is is, is wonderful, man. It's great. I right. shout out to Misha Green for what, everything she did with this.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. He,
1: yeah. I, and for me, you
0: you uh, go go ahead, Kwan. Go, go ahead. Uh, go ahead <laughs> no, I was just gonna say, you know, he he brought up the, the the Emmett Till thing and I felt that um I felt that they were reenacting uh, emmett till's death but they instead of having a black boy in it they used christina there was there was a scene in there where they uh they, they were beating on christina and they tied they tied that wire right around her neck and around the fan and i think i believe they were reenacting the emmett till death but just you know placed a white woman in it what and watching
1: it i hear i missed that completely and when you brought <laughs> it up,
0: yeah yeah, I believe that was the reenactment <laughs> of, of Emmett Till's death. Because <laughs> uh, if you remember, they beat on her, they, they tied the big fan to her neck, they threw the fan in the water, and then the fan pulls her and drags her into the water. And that's I think that's how they did Emmett Till. So I think that was a reenactment of the Emmett Till murder, but they just they used a white woman as, instead of obviously a, a black man. And that was a very intense scene. And I don't even think you could make me back. angry.
1: Yeah, like even watching her go through it, it made me angry. It I couldn't it. imagine you doing that with a black person and not being like, yo, I can't watch this. 14-year-old <laughs> 14 14 year boy. 14-year-old yeah, boy. That, yeah.
3: was hard, that was a hard enough scene to even watch her get, you know, pummeled the way she got pummeled. And yeah. I know in a sense that the reenactment of it, that you know, they was trying to do the best of paying the respects and giving the condolences to the, you know, to the to the horrific tragedy of what happened to, you know, to Emmett too, but it, it, I mean, it, it was, it was hard, man. It was hard to watch that. you yeah. know? Even just his, just his whole story. I mean, that, that for one, that totally went over my head. I was watching it the first time. I was like, yo, why, like, you know, I was, I was yeah. like, why are you like beating on her like that? You know what yeah. I mean? I'm, you know, I'm getting yeah. up. that, like,
1: specifically barbed wire around her neck. That's what I thought. I was like, yo, you brought barbed wire? Like, you could have just bought some rope. Like, why yeah. did you
4: this, yeah, you know, yeah. I
1: didn't even realize there was significance in it. And and another I, I, yeah. funeral, yes, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. mother yeah. had an open casket funeral so people could see what happened to him. And they kind of allude to that. I don't know if they specifically mentioned that in the show, but they allude they to did. it because everybody who comes out they're all throwing up, throwing up, mm-hmm. yeah, freaking out from f- having seen it. I'm like, yo,
0: that could smell. smell the, yeah. yeah, the smell was what got me, yeah, on the hot, one of the hottest days in the summer and you could smell them for blocks. And you (laughs)
2: know what, that creeped me out. I was, Mm -hmm. when it happened, I was like, wow. You think of it from like being kind of a holistic thing the way funerals are are now, right? The person's kind of made up, formaldehyde is all on the body so you can't smell Mm. anything. But at that time, the idea of smelling a body on a hot day in the summer and then still going in there, you're sweating, there's no central air. yeah Yeah, that was tough that was a real tough episode
0: what i noticed in that though is similar to what i'm noticing today is those that were waiting in line it wasn't just black folk it was white folk that was that was an event that shook up the nation so black folks and white folks were you know feeling it and you know you look at that like today you know, when when Tick said he got caught in that time machine and he, he got moved into the future, he was like, it was crazy. White folks was rioting. Like <laughs> oh, yeah. it's, it's some things that that's that sometimes it's just so horrific and just so inhumane that it, it, it opens people's eyes. And I, I was glad to see that they they portrayed that accurately as well.
2: Yeah. And Mike Brown is that person for our generation. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Person who Was murdered and shook up the entire nation and the world.
4: Yeah. George Floyd.
2: Yeah. Yep. Um I mean yeah. honestly,
4: it's so
1: many names. Like sometimes <sighs> I forget. I have to. We've done so many episodes on just that alone. Like things happening. you're like, we well, won't talk about it. We gotta talk about this again. Another right. one on this again. It's it sucks. It's it's yeah. sad. You know that yes. we continue to have to keep doing these things, and, and it does you know speaks to kind of historical significance. I know the show was built in the 50s, but a lot of the things that, that happened in the show are still we're still dealing with, still prevalent exactly. today, yeah. Today, you know, yeah, I'm all that,
2: yeah, that's,
4: that's the hard part.
2: <laughs> neighborhoods, some neighborhoods you really can't move into or don't feel comfortable, sundown towns, <laughs> yeah.
4: Yeah, but yeah. If yeah we're I, not the I, victim, nor will we
2: be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you're no.
4: still not gonna be the victim. <laughs> I am. Hippolyta. no. Damn,
1: Okay. Episodes that I didn't really care for. That was one of the episodes that I didn't really care for. I mean, I I liked what they were doing, but it was so far removed from the rest of the show that and what the you know, the Hippolyta and, one. Yeah, grounded in reality. Like up until this point. Mm-hmm. here's the thing about my shows.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: When you shut up a show and you set up the world that they're in, like, I, I don't care if you do fanciful stuff, but I like for you to stay within that realm that you've created. But the Hippolyta episode was like, hey, we're going to take this. Now you're in a completely different dimension yeah. on standing next to Josephine Baker and now you're standing with some some African so you didn't
4: I, with it. No, I
1: don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. It's wow. right over my head. Like, I'm not I, I do not say it was bad, yeah. but because the whole mm. show is so quality that mm. it was still high quality mm. and better than most. But out of the out of the season, it wasn't one of my favorite episodes. It's probably the second least favorite other than the the one where they were in Korea. No.
4: Yeah. Mm. Korea was
2: my favorite, but the Hippolyta one can't even. It was so empowering. The fact that, like I said before, Hippolyta Discovered herself. So many women have to go through a process of discovering herself and she still was self-sacrificial and came back mm-hmm. to impart that wisdom that she got on her family.
4: Yeah. I'm a- without,
2: without her, the episode wouldn't have existed. And you know what? For y'all black men, I feel uh-huh. like what she said, this is going to be something y'all need to write down. <laughs> home for your wives, but what she said is through George. When she was with George, she thought he was going to create the space for her to evolve and blossom mm-hmm. and re- embody who she really was determined to be. But he didn't, yeah. you know. And I, I feel like a lot of—I don't want to say all men, but a, a lot of men will see the beauty and the light in a lot of women, right? Black women see their um, their fire, the spice, all of that. But then when it comes to being in a relationship with them, you try and mute them, try and keep them quiet, try and keep them in the traditional woman role. So, I mean, I, I just feel like that should have been an episode and a lesson.
4: <laughs> you know,
3: I, I'm going to I'm going to that that, um, that, that that particular episode. Right. When I saw that. Because I saw you said I saw the three dimensions. And it was, you know, she wanted to have fun and she wanted to kind of be liberated herself and be dancing with Josephine and, you know, living that that you know that Renaissance life as a black woman, right? Then she went to the other world where she had to kind of understand when she was, you know, a West African, you know, warrior. And she was learning the, the essence of being a leader and learning that it was okay to be a rebel from the black woman perspective. Because for them, they see you as this. But in actuality, you are the shining light. So it, it taught her in a sense of being the leader. And so for the last part, when it came to George, you know, and she was like, you know, I, I'm I'm a wife to George. You know, that was very monumental because and I'm going to be honest, that 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 kind of hit me a little bit because it was a communication part to where it, it really showed me from a man. George was sitting there and he was taking everything that she was saying into consideration. You know, she was he was she was saying like, you know. I pretty much for my family and for for what you wanted i became this woman i became this this you know what i mean this is what i wanted to you know i sacrificed this but in, in actuality in the long haul like i wanted to become something i wanted to become hippolyta the great i wanted to become and so like
4: mm-hmm.
3: <laughs> From the man perspective, he, you know, he, you know, George did his thing too. And George made sure that he sacrificed and he provided and he did what he needed to do for the family. But then there was also another side to where he, like, kind of sat back and he kind of was like, damn. You
1: know, like George, was he, he, in his mind, he was protecting Hippolyta. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Remember yeah. early on. He's like, I mm-hmm. want to go with you on your Green book tour, Green Book tours, and he's like, you can't it's go. He's like, my, they broke my both my knees. Both my knees are trash. I can't have you out there getting hurt. But what's interesting to me is that he was attempting to protect her, but Hippolyta felt as if she was like a caged bird. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying in his world. In his world, and after she went and went on her adventure, she went to George and took George on an adventure. i you you're going on the green books, but I'm going to show you another adventure that we can go on. You know what I'm saying? And I thought I thought that was super interesting. I also thought it was super interesting the dynamic between her and, and Diana when Diana said it was like you went out here and you did all these things, but your responsibility was was to me and and at the end of the day I didn't have you you weren't here when I needed you here and it reminded me of all these people who made who made sacrifices even like and I've heard this reference paid to like someone like Martin Luther King who who gave everything to the black community but when he died he wasn't there for his own family or his own kids because he had given everything to everyone else but his family and it's weird to me to say that, you know, for us, we're like, you owe your kids, you are your family first and foremostly, and you owe it to be there for them. You know what I'm saying? And that's the kind of message that Diana was trying to paint to Hippolyta. Like, yo, I understand that you had to grow and you felt like a caged bird, but your responsibility was to me. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. granted, that's not a bad, I mean, I mean, it's a bad message. But,
4: <laughs>
2: you know, but I don't think it's a bad message. And I think you could get it from different perspectives. Like, yeah, your, my responsibility is to you, but I'm also making a sacrifice by going to get this knowledge, this wisdom that I could bring back and give to you. Right? right. It's like, what's more important. Do you want me to be here? Be one dimensional, only know what I know and give you that life. Or do you want me to leave for a little while, get a wealth, a universe of knowledge and come back and share it
1: with you. Mm-hmm. So I mean, at I, the end of the day, it seemed as if Diana it worked for the detriment of, of Diana that she ended up being worse off in the situation, not just in losing her arm, but she seemed to have gone to a dark, a yeah. dark place without <laughs> in her life. And once again, it showed that that. That while wow, Hippolyta was going and doing all these things and speaks to sacrifice once again, because she once again even unintentionally sacrificed maybe her daughter for the ability to have these you know all this knowledge and to grow and um and I don't think that's I don't think that's a, a, a bad message. I don't think she did it intentionally. I just think that's just you know how the story played out,
0: I think Diana would be okay. Because you know you pay attention to the story, she's the one that ends up pushing Tick back into the portal when he goes into the future. She shoves the uh, Lovecraft book into his hands and pushes him back through the portal. Tick comes back. He sees the Lovecraft book. It's written by his son, and he reads it, and and he knows what's gonna. He's know what's gonna happen. He said, you know, a, a girl with a lady with a with a hood and a bionic arm pushed me through the portal. So I think I think season two. That's probably what the the story is going to be around Diana. I think. And maybe get into when Tick comes into the future, maybe get in get into a little bit of that. But I just want to comment on the on the Hippolyta piece. Go go ahead, Quan. Go ahead, go
3: ahead, go ahead about Diana. I I think that they actually showed that you know she was young, but she was she was built for one for the particular harsh life of what came with racism. And she wasn't she didn't they didn't shy her away from it, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, Hippolyta wasn't really there to you know, comfort her and console her right. during the time when, you know, when the situation with Emmett Till, you know what I mean? So, like, she mm-hmm. she had to see the harsh realities of of racism at a young age, you know what I mean? And she had certain parts of her life she had to kind of grow up early, you know what yeah. I mean? So, but mm-hmm. uh,
0: And Letitia mentioned she was like, you know, the day of Emmett Till murder, when they were standing in line, she was like, she's seen too much death, we should be protecting her. Her best friend died, her mama's gone, her father's gone, mm-hmm. like, right. that's a lot. To that experience is. in a short amount of time. Yeah. you both your parents and your best friend. Yeah. But I, I wanted to say about Hippolyta, like, I think the message there for me was at the end of the day, I think what mattered to her most was being was being a wife and being a mother. Because those are the last two things that she chose after she became all that she wanted, she yeah. wanted to be. Now, I think for me the message was. Find find you a woman a woman that that is like that that is willing to sacrifice that but also she needs an environment where um she can blossom and, and become the person that she is to be and not just underneath you you know what I'm saying right and, and the same thing and same thing with men like hey we talk about we got supposed to talk about Sims all the time where you know a man will come into a relationship and everything is about everything is about the woman and. You should have a, a healthy balance of that passion for each other, but also cultivate your own environments where you can blossom and become and, and reach your, your potential of whatever it is that you yeah. are supposed to be. I think Hippolyta, she she was she did make the sacrifice and she wanted to grow. And just seeing that, that was the lesson that I got for me. So for yeah. my lady. So it's like, I'm a, I'm a lover. She usually, you know, when we talk about decisions on where we're going as a relationship, you know, she... She doesn't defer to me all the time, but she defers to me a lot of times. But I, I know that given that responsibility, I have to make the right decisions. But also I have to make sure that I'm giving her the space and cultivating in, in her in her environment or helping to cultivate an environment where she can blossom and be and do her own thing separate right. from me. She can be her own woman. Yeah. Right. So that was, that was it for me. That was the lesson for me.
1: Will Smith you mentioned that you're not responsible. I'm not responsible for I'm not I, I yeah,
0: I used that in a in an argument one time with one of my exes.
4: <laughs>
0: like, I'm not responsible for your happiness. You got that from Will Smith, didn't you? I did but it
1: works. That did. It did. It's true. It's true. That changed change things. I, I need to say this. Um, my executive producer is <laughs> calling me, is is calling me, oh, me. I got you.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we can wrap this. So um, there's a lot of amazing things about this show. And I really hope if you're listening to this, that we have somehow uh, convinced you to, uh, if you haven't seen it yet, to go and watch it. It's really a great piece. I hope those who have seen it, that you were able to listen and, and, and celebrate the piece with us. And as we close out here, I just wanted to go around the table and just ask each of you, if you were talking to somebody who was like, I don't know, I don't know what would you say to them? What would you say to them to get them to watch Lovecraft Country? I'm going to start with you,
1: country boy. Wow. Uh, (laughs) uh, I mean, first and and foremost, I feel as though there are a lot of themes within the show i mean i know it's a fantasy show but this stuff is rooted in in black culture and in black history so when you watch the show a lot of these things are stuff that we deal with on on a regular basis if you listen to this episode we spent an hour an hour and 20 minutes talking about the historical accuracy of con- the constantly things that happened during Lovecraft country in the first season so if you're still on the fence i feel as though just check out the first episode. I feel as though the first episode is enough to encapsulate the show and to see what the show is about. And I feel like you're gonna be you're gonna be hooked after that. And the great thing about this is neither none of these episodes are the same. Every single episode is is this different. You know what I'm saying? There's an episode that's like the Goonies, it's the episode about a haunted house, it's an episode about you know uh horror and monsters. So I think you gonna love it. I think you're gonna love it. Bet, bet, bet. How about you, Queen? Squan's on. Um, What you gonna say to him?
2: I would say if you are on the fence about watching this show, get off the fence and come to the good side. (laughs) Everybody does it, it is highly rated. I mean, Misha Green is amazing. The writers, a lot of amazing black women are amazing. And if one of the concerns is that you may not be into horror, I say expand your aperture a little bit. It's really Mm -hmm. cool to see black faces, black people in this dynamic role where they're really battling one of the scariest things to all of us, right? Racism and racism that you can't control, but then also dealing with monsters and goblins and scary folklore things. <laughs> and I just say, buckle up. It's a great show and you'll be hooked.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Go ahead, go ahead. What you got, OTR Kwan? What you telling them, about?
3: My whole thing for this show... If someone was to come to me, they're on the fence with it, give it a try and try to indulge in it and and just take your time with it. And, you know, just be patient. You really really don't have to be patient with it, because just like Country Boy alluded to, the the first episode is you're going to get you're going to get caught with it. And Mm -hmm. like I said, there's something, you know, Misha Green, uh, shout out to her again. She put her uh, creative ideas into this to the show and the creative ideas and then as well as the historical events that are accurate. It's an amazing piece. It's an amazing show. And if anybody, you know, is on the, the fence with it, I, I would suggest take the time to watch it and understand it because it's it's definitely a captivating show. It's something from us for you know, from our culture and it needs to be put out there a little bit more for people to kind of get a, a broader perspective on the show, man. So you know, it, it really hits great points and um it's like I said, it's it's very historical. So check it out. You won't be upset about the outcome from the first season, <laughs> First episode to, to the last episode. It's, it's great. All, ty- all type of emotions. You go through all types of emotions when watching it. So check it out.
0: Great, 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 great. I'll close this out with this. Listen, I really think not just Black folks, but I, I think this is a great piece for anybody to watch. Um, It has everything in it. I loved it because of all, it wasn't cookie cutter. It wasn't the same shit that we've been seeing. It wasn't a comedy. It wasn't just about relationships. Hey, this is showing another side of black culture, black creativity, how we can take something, flip it. All the historical references. I mean, you're going to learn from it. You, you got a great plot. You have phenomenal acting. Somebody's got to win an award for something on this. OK, if you on the fence, please get off it. Just give it a chance. I, look, I know the mystical creatures and, and shit like that might not be a thing, but you, you need to see beyond that because there's a lot more to the show than that. It's a lot more. Other than that, hey, listen. Like I said, if you've already seen it, I hope that you enjoyed listening to this, uh, to our take, to our to our conversations around Lovecraft Country. I love doing this, country boy Mike. It was great having you on the show, Queen Shami. Forgive me if I pronounce that wrong. I've been I've been I've been working on, it, but uh, you've been great. We loved having you on the show. Thank Please you. Please come back. Please come back. We, we, we're gonna need some more uh uh, uh women presence on our, on our episodes. So. You Know please come back, my country boy. Please come back. You got a beautiful baby there,
4: I will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everything <laughs>
0: and Quan, yeah, you're invited to come back
3: too. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll be back. I'll be, we, we can come back and do it again because this was amazing and we got to do more
0: for okay. sure. For sure, of course. Of course, we are, we are powered by crossover media. Um, shout outs to everybody out there that's listening to us. Take this time to subscribe follow us and uh yeah we hope you enjoyed the show y'all until next time peace peace